welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. This is Corey Lestoki. Hope you're enjoying the long weekend. I know I sure am. Um, kind of sat around on Sunday and did nothing. It was fantastic. I hope you have a fantastic Martin Luther King Day. This is being recorded on January 17th. And a lot to talk about today. A lot to talk about indeed. Early enrollees are officially on campus. I mentioned that um, in the Tommy Stevens episode. Dwight Galt, strength and conditioning coach, retiring. Noah Kane in the transfer portal. Georgia wins a national championship. Uh, some recruiting news, especially Junior Day, just happened this past weekend. Penn State has a new Big Ten schedule. And your trivia question for today. Derek Williams and Micah Parsons were the number one and number two top commits in Penn State history, according to 24-7 Sports. Who was and is currently number three for Penn State? All that and more after the intermission. Welcome on in to Hardcore Penn State Football, show number seven, The Kane Train Departs. And yes, that is true. Noah Kane will be leaving. I'll get to him a little bit later on in the show. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, make sure you subscribe, whether you're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, doesn't really matter. We're everywhere. Drop me a subscription. That just helps the show. Um, and share with a friend, because why not? Sharing is caring. Um... If you haven't already, highly, highly recommend you go check out the Tommy Stevens interview from last week. Really enjoyed having him on the show. He spoke extensively to us about everything, his entire career, from his recruitment to Penn State to his interactions with Joe Moorhead, Trace McSorley, Christian Hackenberg, James Franklin, um, being Mike Isecki's roommate the move to Mississippi State, his NFL career, and now his uh, future CFL career. So he, he's he's really bounced around and had a, an extraordinary uh, career and journey, and it's exciting for him. And it's, it's a pretty good interview. I'm not going to lie. It's a pretty good interview. It's worth your time. And I hope you have a uh, – it's about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. So you might have to break it up in some pieces, but I think you'd really enjoy that. Definitely go check that out. If you just listened to this episode, it should probably start right after this one. So just don't go anywhere. Uh, we're on social media. Twitter's the best place to be. Didn't get any Twitter questions, really. Well, I shouldn't say that. We did get one Twitter question. It was about uh, when Penn State is going to change the music at Beaver Stadium. Well, I do not know the person that does the music anymore. PJ Mullen is at Rutgers now. Um, I can tell you that it's probably not going to change for the most part. And I do... It's hard, right? Because for the every 
you know, the season ticket holders that see, hear the same music every week, that's that's understandable how you want to, you know, see a, a mix of new things. But for the family, that only comes once a year because that's all they can afford or whatever the case may be. You're gonna, you want to give them the best show, right? So it's hard to really, you know, it's hard to give up some of the things that make it so special, a.k.a. Sweet Caroline. But, you know, we weren't going to really dive any deeper into the questions. Um, so, yeah, if you have a question, make sure to tweet us at Hardcore PSUFB. Also on TikTok, doing pretty good over there on TikTok. So make sure to give us a follow on TikTok, on Instagram, and Facebook as well. Facebook's done really well as well. So um, you can find us over there as well. Answer to your trivia question. Again, the trivia question was, Derek Williams and Micah Parsons were the number one and number two top commits in Penn State history, according to 24-7 Sports. Who was and is currently number three? And the answer to that question, unforgettably, and maybe perhaps disappointingly, depending on who you talk to, was Justin Shorter. Wide receiver Justin Shorter eventually transferred to Florida, um, I think just maybe a couple days ago, maybe a week ago, decided he will be coming back for his 2022 season. So Justin Shorter will be returning for Florida. Um, I think he got banged up, right? Didn't he get a little banged up in the game against UCF? I think he did. Um, so, But he'll be back for the 2022 season. Reason why that was a trivia question this week is because we have so much recruiting kind of news at this point of the season, right? Uh, early enrollees obviously coming on campus. It's that weird time between the early signing period and then the official signing day in February. Uh, the dead period is over. Junior day just happened this past week. Another junior day is happening next weekend. So a lot of recruiting going on. So that's why that was on the top of my head. Um, the the take of the day, though, Corey's take of the day is not going to be about recruiting. And really this came because for people that don't know, I live in Auburn, Alabama, in the heart of SEC country, and was watching the national championship with a lot of SEC fans, obviously, my coworkers. Uh, one, one guy was a Bama fan. One guy grew up in Georgia, so from a lot of Georgia people, but he's actually more of an Auburn fan. Um but the interesting thing about this was, if you're watching this game with a bunch of Auburn fans, you'd assume they're probably rooting for Georgia because, hey, Iron Bowl, you don't want to see Alabama win. However, it wasn't just the case of the coworkers I was working with, but it was actually the case with a lot of Auburn fans were actually rooting for Alabama. And the reason they gave me was because, hey, look, Alabama's already better than us. Obviously, I mean, look at the dynasty they've had going on there, Nick Saban. Like, there's no way of saying it. Alabama's better than Auburn. But no matter how good Georgia has been, especially how really incredible they have in the recruiting trail, uh, how, how well they've done in the recruiting trail, they haven't won the national championship. Hadn't won since the 80s. And so Auburn still held that over Georgia. Could always hold that over Georgia. But hey, if Georgia wins the national championship, beats Alabama for it, now, if you're Auburn, you're located, by the way, right in between Auburn and Georgia, or excuse me, Alabama and Georgia, Tuscaloosa to the west of them, Athens to the east of them. You're getting sandwiched on both sides now if Georgia wins. So Auburn fans are actually rooting for Georgia to lose, rooting for Alabama to win this game because then they wouldn't have to worry about Georgia as far as the bragging rights was concerned. And that got me thinking, what would Penn State want in a situation, which it's difficult because obviously Michigan is in the 
Big Ten East and, and Ohio State's in the Big Ten East. But I mean, and Penn State doesn't have the same kind of rivalries that Auburn has with with Auburn or the Alabama and Georgia. But it still made me think in a situation where Ohio State and Michigan were playing for the national championship because it, it is, I guess, technically possible. If Ohio State won undefeated and Michigan only had one loss to Ohio State, you would think maybe they could get in. In a national championship situation, would you want Ohio State to win or would you want Michigan to win as a Penn State fan? And I guess my take on it is you kind of want Ohio State to win. You kind of go with the whole Auburn thing here. You kind of say, that, yeah, they're probably right about it because we know Ohio State's going to recruit better. Michigan is right on their coattails. Penn State's maybe slightly kind of dragging a little bit further behind than they were maybe three years ago. But they're still right around the corner, recruiting extremely well. But you wouldn't want Michigan to win a national championship, even though I've sat here and told you that winning a national t- title doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good for the next five years. Heck, even getting in the college football playoff doesn't mean you're going to be good for the next five years. But you don't want to take that guess. You don't want to roll those dice. I think you want Ohio State to blow out Michigan. Heck, I was probably rooting for Ohio State to beat Michigan in the game this year. So... I guess that's my take on that. I'm just kind of curious what you guys think because I think that's the best way to look at it. But it's weird. It's not as weird, I guess, when you think about it for a Penn State fan. But when you think about an Auburn fan rooting for Alabama over Georgia, even though, yes, they're both rivals, you just think Auburn rooting for Alabama in general is just a, a weird situation. So thought I'd share that with you guys and, and let you know how I'm doing down here in the South. Early enrollees on campus for Penn State. Talked about recruiting extremely well. The 2022 class doing extremely well. Top six right now. Um, Probably going to finish top ten. Probably might only get one or two more guys, if that. Um, But still, top six right now. Huge offensive reinforcements coming in the early enrollees. It was so funny when Tommy Stevens and I were talking last week because he's like, dude, when we early enrolled, there was only two guys that early enrolled. It was Tommy Stevens and um, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head now, offensive tackle, Jenkins. Um, those are the only two that early enrolled, early enrolled that year. Uh, Sterling Jenkins, my goodness, could not come to my head right away. Um, those are the only two that did it. And so now you're looking. They ended up with nine in the 2022 class. It could have been 10, but Cam Miller decides to wait. He decides, the, the quarterback decides to wait, not going to enroll early. But, I mean, everybody who is enrolling early is an offensive player except for Zane Durant, the defensive tackle, who was phenomenal in his own right. And probably because of him early enrolling, and with a little bit of defensive tackle depth issues, Zane Durant might play uh, in the 2022 season. But here are all of them. You have quarterback Drew Aller, quarterback Bo Pribula, running back Nick Singleton, running back Catron Allen, wide receiver Caden Sanders, wide receiver Amari Evans, offensive lineman J.B. Nelson, and tight end Jerry Cross. Obviously, let's start with Drew Aller. I think... Most people would agree, as of right now, Sean Clifford's going to start. Even if there's some sort of competition in the spring, which we all kind of hope there is, starting at Purdue is not necessarily the easiest place. It's kind of where top five teams' dreams go to die. You don't know if you want to throw in a true freshman into that environment. If you saw the All-American Bowl, 
Drew Aller didn't look fantastic. He looked good. He didn't look fantastic. A lot of it was miscommunication issues with his receivers. He hadn't really practiced with a bunch. Um, he did fantastic throughout the whole weekend, but the actual game, he wasn't overly impressive. Still will probably be the number one quarterback once 24-7 comes out with their final 22 class rankings. Um, just a quick final note on the All-American Bowl. Deny Dennis Sutton did phenomenal, and he might end up getting that five-star rating based off of kind of what you hear from the 24-7 sports guys. Um, Drew Aller going to come in. He's going he's gonna to do extremely well. I think him early enrolling is going to be really, really good for him. Really, really, really good for him. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do, but he's probably not going to start at least at the beginning of the 2022 season. I've said it before. It's a pretty safe bet that Sean Clifford's not going to play in all 12 games, and it's an awful thing to say. But it's a pretty safe bet that Sean Clifford's not going to play in all 2020, all 12 games of 2022. It's probably not going to happen. The way he's been banged up, the way the offensive line has always been inconsistent, probably not going to happen. Will Drew Aller be ready when that time comes? That's the real question. And will he be the backup? Because the next guy on the list, Bo Pribula, fantastic player. Um, All-American in his own right in a really in a 6A in Pennsylvania. So he's playing with the big boys. Phenomenal, phenomenal player of his own, a leader. Wanted to come to Penn State, didn't care about who was coming. I think he's going to be a really good um, locker room guy. I think he's going to be a guy that people are going to look up to. I don't know if he ends up staying at Penn State forever, but he's going to give Aller and whoever else a run for their money. And, oh, don't forget Christian Bayou's in the building too. So there's a lot to figure out in that quarterback room. It's all good, optimistic, positive things right now. But a lot has to be figured out. So those are the two quarterbacks coming in. We also have two running backs coming in, um, already enrolled, already starting. you already seen the pictures of them in the, in the front of class. Um Nick Singleton and Katron Allen coming as well. Singleton, again, probably the, the best running back since Saquon to come. I had had a bunch of great running backs come in the last couple uh, recruiting classes, but Nick Singleton, highly coveted. The conversation around him is almost like he's probably going to play right away. Doesn't know, you know, don't know if he's going to be the top guy right away. Kevon Lee's still here as of right now. We said no, Kane left. As of right now, Kevon Lee's still a part of the program. If he stays... You might have a pretty good bruise, you know, lightning thunder with, with Singleton and Lee. Kind of interesting to see how that goes. And very interested to see where Devin Ford fits into all that and where Katron Allen fits into all that. Really important for both running backs, I believe, to get in early because I don't think the transfer portal running back situation is going to stop with just Noah Kane. It's hard to see Keziah Holmes and Devin Ford, both of them staying moving forward in the 2022 season, but we'll have to wait and see. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Caden Saunders and Omari Evans both coming in early. My two favorite wide receivers in this class. Caden Saunders, a guy who was committed to Penn State for a very long time, didn't play in the All-American Bowl, um, but was hanging around. Omari Evans, one of the faster guys in this class. We don't really know what the receiving situation is going to be this year. The spring is going to be a really fun place to be if you're in the receiver court because you have Keandre Lambert Smith and you have Parker Washington who are your pretty obvious you know one and two there um maybe they want to leave Parker Washington more in the slot maybe they want uh Mitch Tinsley to come in and find you know a way where he can play more on the outside 
And then you have Malik Mega, maybe, but he hasn't really shown that much yet. And then a whole bunch of guys that we don't know anything about. So there's a lot of opportunities for Saunders and Evans, especially if Evans can be a guy who's lightning fast, you know, can take the roof off of a defense. There's going to be spots where these guys can get playing time because they're coming in early. So really excited for those two wide receivers. After that, the last two guys, the offensive lineman, J.B. Nelson, and the tight end, Jerry Cross, are the more intriguing guys because we don't really know what to expect. I think that's kind of what everyone's agreed to um, when it comes to J.B. Nelson, when it comes to Jerry Cross. Jerry Cross is a guy supposed to play tight end. Don't really know where his weight's going to be and how ready he's going to be to play tight end. Will he be able to block really well? Can he? You know, we don't really know what to expect from Jerry Cross as an athlete. And then J.B. Nelson is probably the biggest question mark on the early enrollees because as a JUCO transfer, they kind of hope that J.B. Nelson can come in and at least be a backup next year. Can he find a way to be a backup next year? That That's a big question. If he can be, doesn't have to necessarily start. But if he can be a, a, a counted or um, a dependable backup, I should say, that helps the offensive line room a ton. If he can even start, that's that's gravy on top of the mashed potatoes. But J.B. Nelson, if you're trying to think about guys in the spring to keep an eye on, J.B. Nelson's a guy for me that I am going to be paying attention to extremely closely. And how do we see these guys, these early enrollees, are going to get there? Well, it starts with the strength and conditioning. And big news in that department, Dwight Galt officially retiring. 38 years in the industry uh, he's worked with James Franklin at Maryland and Vanderbilt before at Penn State. Worked with them for a very long time. I think it was a plus of over 11 years. Um, big, big, big loss for Penn State. And a loss where they knew it was coming and everybody knew it was coming eventually. But it doesn't make it necessarily that much easier. Now, is it really going to you know hurt them as far as keeping up the program? Probably not. Because... Uh, Chuck Luzzi is going to come in most likely and take the job, the associate director of performance. And he has been with Franklin since Vanderbilt as well. He's the obvious replacement. Um, but, man, he's another guy that James Franklin, Dwight Gold, is another guy that James Franklin was super-duper close to. Another guy that kind of instilled the culture. And we've talked about this now. You lose Brent Pry, you lose Dwight Galt, um. And you can kind of see some of these pieces. Uh, you, you lose Mike Hazel. You see some of these pieces that were part of the culture from the beginning that are kind of going away. And it's a pretty much entirely new staff from just maybe three or four years ago. Um, obviously, Terry Smith's still around. So I'm curious to see how the culture, if it does change, and if it changes for the better or for the worse. Because I've had this conversation with people before. Um, shout out Darian Summers and his own podcast, Stuff Summers Says. And he's like, hey, it's a good thing, right? Because what we were doing before didn't get us over the top, so we got to do something different to get there. Possible. Very possible. Could go the other way, though. Could go the other way. So curious to see what happens. But Dwight Galt, fantastic, illustrious career. I mean, you think of Mike Gusecki and Saquon Barkley and, and Troy Apke and what they did at the Combine one year and what Micah Parsons and Odafe Owe did another year. I mean, they were starting to really become a factory for the combine. People were excited to see what the Penn State players, how they were going to run, what numbers they were going to put up. And I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. But congratulations to Dwight Galt on retirement. 
Um, Penn State's going to miss them, but I don't think they're going to lose too much as far as a step in the uh, strength and conditioning program. Now to the news that kind of got us here today and why it's the title of the the episode. Noah Kane, departing State College. The Kane train has left the station, and he's already found a new home. Don't think a train could literally get to, well, maybe it could. I don't know if a train could get from State College to, um, I guess it's Baton Rouge that fast. But Noah Kane heading to LSU from LSU, from, from, not from LSU, but from Louisiana originally. Um, this is a tough one for me because it made sense, right? But it doesn't necessarily make it that much of an easier pill to swallow. You think about Noah Kane and what he was able to do in the 2019 season. And he ran 84 times for 443 yards and 8 touchdowns. He got banged up a little bit towards the end of the season. Um, But you're thinking, okay, Noah Kane is a guy who can run downhill. The way they just dismantled Iowa and, and let him be the spearhead to that assault was impressive. And that win was because of Noah Kane. And there's probably a couple of those where Noah Kane won them the game um, in that 2019 season. So it, when you think about it like that, it's a little bit of a big loss for Penn State. But Penn State had lost 2019 Noah Kane in 2020 when he had that season-ending injury in that first drive of the Indiana game. So Penn State hasn't had 2019 Noah Kane since really the beginning of 2020. And it's unfortunate, but when he came back in 2021, he wasn't the same. 106 rushes, 350 yards, four touchdowns, but his yards per carry went down by almost two yards per carry. Um, It's a tough one, but I think it's a good decision for Kane. A better opportunity, perhaps, to go to LSU. I think the coaching staff knows what they're going to get from Noah Kane, and sometimes when you know what you're going to get from a player, just like all the fans, we're all excited to see what Nick Singleton and Catron Allen can do. Everyone's super duper excited to see what those guys can do, and I bet the coaches are too. And it's kind of, I wonder what the honest conversations were because it, it seems like it was pretty clear that, hey, like if Kevon Lee says, if Devin Ford says, if Kaziah Holmes says, we get Allen and we get uh, Singleton, where does the Noah Kane fit into that? If Kevon Lee becomes the power back guy that Noah Kane kind of was, and you have Nick Singleton kind of being more on the outside with Devin Ford. Noah Kane's touches dry up really fast. Uh, we'll miss the Russian roulette as far as who the running back was going to kind of lead the uh, the team in rushing week-by-week week basis. Probably still going to have that next year. But Noah Kane will no longer be a part of it. The Kane train has left State College heading to LSU. Another note, quickly, uh, defensive tackle Joseph Apia-Darwa. In the transfer portal as well. Hadn't played really. Three seasons of eligibility left. He's a guy that, if you don't remember, came from Dusseldorf, Germany. Had a little bit of a language barrier at first. Kind of had to really learn to be coached. And, and really, I mean, it's a scary thing. Coming from Germany, hadn't played, you know, only has three seasons left of eligibility to do something with it. And clearly he was getting buried on the depth chart here. And so he'll look to make a move as well entering the transfer portal. That's all the transfer portal news. Let's get to actual college football. I'm sure you probably watched, and I talked about it a little bit already, but Georgia winning the national championship in a pretty impressive way, too, for a couple things. You, I mean, even Nick Saban said after the game in, in the meeting with Kirby Smart at midfield, 
even said, hey, man, you you kicked our ass in the fourth quarter. Not a lot of teams kick Nick Saban's ass in the fourth quarter, and Georgia was able to do it. I love the pick six at the end of the game because it's like the exclamation point for Georgia and what that you know what that national championship really means. Because you can only imagine if Kirby Smart loses the Nick Saban yet again. Um, yeah, this was a big one for Kirby Smart, and and it felt like a lot of people were rooting for Georgia because like there was this underdog story or something like that. But it really wasn't. Georgia is actually funneling more money from the the numbers we have into the recruiting than Alabama is. And that's why they're recruiting so well, and that's why they're playing so well. Yes, it matters how you develop some of these guys, and yes, you have to get a little bit lucky. But if you want to improve and increase your chances, you got to recruit. you got to throw a lot of money into that spending. Look at the Texas A&M class this year for the 2022 cycle. They pumped in a lot of money, a lot of NIL deals apparently with donors under the table. That's how you win national championships. And I don't think it was an underdog story as much as it's a story where at least you can point to it and say, hey, look, Georgia played in the Tax Slayer Bowl against Penn State not that long ago. And now they're winning national championships. So there is an avenue. There is a route, although there might be construction, there might be hazards on the road, there might things, you know, be toll roads. There is a way, there is a route to that path to get to a national championship, absolutely, for everybody. But are you willing to push the button? Are you willing to do it? Georgia was. Will Penn State? Will a Penn State ever be there? That's a question that only Sandy Barber and donors and board of trustee members make those decisions. Right now, they are probably doing enough because we don't get all the numbers for Penn State as we do for Georgia. They are probably doing enough to be within the top 20, if I had to guess. Maybe top 15. Maybe even top 10, but they're definitely not top 5. And I don't even know if you're in the top 10 of spending, if that gets you close enough anymore. It's better. And I think Franklin is is continuing to pick and pick and erode that down to get more money. But... They also want to see, and, and, and a lot of fans are on this kind of way of seeing things too. They want to see results. You can't be 500 in the last two seasons or whatever he is and still make that argument that you're the one that's going to lead them there if you have X, Y, and Z. And when he's had the opportunities to explain what X, Y, and Z has, he James Franklin has punted on those opportunities. So, yes, you can go from Tax Slayer Bowl to National Championship and beating Alabama in the process. But how do you do it? Do you just throw money into a large pot and say, Franklin, go do it? What does Penn State specifically need? I don't think, as a fan, we're ever going to get the answer to that. It's either going to get taken care of or it's not. And in the next five to ten years, you'll see if that is making a difference or not. That's all you're going to get. But we can see the effects of when it is done. Penn State comes in at number 20 in the 24-7s, way too early 2022 rankings. They're tied with Kentucky. And that's probably a fair place to put them. I mean, there's promise, but there's also a lot a lot of uncertainty. You'll, you're going to lose a couple of defensive players. I think with the defensive line coming back strong, 
is going to help. With P.J. Mustafer returning, the defensive line, with Adisa Isaac coming back from injury, there's promise for the defensive line. With Curtis Jacobs coming back in the middle, there's promise for the linebacker position. With Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown coming back, there's promise in a secondary. So the defense, as far as losing pieces, yes, there's a couple that really hurt, but I think the defense is going to be okay. Obviously a question mark with Manny Diaz, but I think the defense is going to be okay, especially, again, there's so much reinforcements coming on the defensive side of things in the, these past couple classes. I think the defense is going to be okay. But Sean Clifford, going into his final season, still a little bit of a question mark. Who's going to run the football? Who's going to protect Sean Clifford? Those questions haven't really been answered. And then you throw in losing Jahan Dotson and what they were able to produce on the offensive side of things in the Outback Bowl without him. And you're kind of scared because the only time they scored a touchdown was on a broken coverage to Keandre Lambert-Smith. They did miss a wide-open touchdown uh, to Theo Johnson. Um, but the tight ends, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, they're back. Will they be better? Will they be seen for more opportunities? Who knows? But I think number 20 is a fair spot to put Penn State right now. I wouldn't be surprised early into August we see a similar kind of thing Um around the 20s or so for Penn State. And, and that's a fair place, I think, to put them. Do you want to say being tied with Kentucky? little shout-out to Will Levis, former Penn State quarterback. He will be returning for his final season at Kentucky. So Will Levis coming back. And also, we like we talked about a little bit earlier, Justin Shorter coming back for Florida. So two former Penn State players coming returning for their respected SEC schools. Let's talk recruiting. And let me just preface this by saying, if you want the recruiting load down for real, I do a, I, I'm do going to try to do a decent job here. But if you really want the true nitty-gritty, I mean, you got to have to get a 24-7 VIP subscription. Um, there's things that I'm not going to mention because those are VIP things only, and so those are technically behind a paywall, and I'm not going to share those. I don't even know if it's technically illegal, but it's definitely wrong. Um so I'm not going to share those things on this podcast. So if you're here hoping that I would be giving insider information, no. Um, well, you might be getting insider information, but you're not getting 24-7 sports insider information here. Um, that's just not going to happen. Uh, but that doesn't mean there's not recruiting news that to be talked about. The 2023 class offense lineman Josiah Peterson decommitted from Rutgers this past weekend and then visited Penn State. He's the seventh best player from New Jersey, 23rd interior offensive lineman in the composite ranking. He said he wanted to decommit because he didn't want to go visit a school already committed to another school. He was still, I think, supposed to go visit Rutgers on uh, this past Sunday. I'm not sure that actually ended up happening or not. Um, so a lot of the news in this episode is about offensive linemen. Penn State just seems to be hitting the offensive lineman hard. And one point I'm not going to make, but there's a lot of um, impressions they got as offensive linemen from their junior day that I'm not going to include because those are, again, behind the paywall. But lots of offensive linemen were targeted and sought out in junior day. Um, interior offensive lineman in the 2022 class, uh, Vega Ione, he just got a scholarship offer. This is a 2022 class, so the one that's signing in less than a month. From Washington, probably going to end up going to Washington a three-star guy, but hey, got an offer from Penn State. Curious, maybe if he, he's more interested in that. 
in the transfer portal, offensive tackle from Vanderbilt has two years of eligibility left. Tyler Steen met with Coach Franklin, according to Sean Fitz from 24-7. Hasn't turned down the possibility of playing with his younger brother in the 2022 class, Blake Steen. Blake Steen, as of right now, all I saw was he had one FBS offer, and that was two Vanderbilt. I did see Jackson State and Mississippi Valley State also offered him. So curious to see what happens with Steen. Penn, Penn State, again, trying to find another offensive lineman um, in the transfer portal or for the 2022 class. So curious to see how that ends up shaping up in the next month or two. Kyron Lacey was a wide receiver from Louisiana. Penn State offered him um, a scholarship, but he has committed to LSU. So Louisiana guy staying in-state going to now LSU. So that's a transfer portal. We thought maybe they wanted to get another wide receiver. They offered Kyron Lacey. Um, he decided to go to LSU, but that kind of confirms to us, hey, Penn State's not out of the receiving market um, in this transfer portal. Got Mitch Tinsley, but they're not done. I don't know what that necessarily tells you about the class coming in, but they want someone else ready to go because, hey, like we said, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Parker Washington, maybe Malik Mega, and then the rest pretty pretty wide open. So keep an eye on the receiving portion of the transfer portal as well. 2023 class commit, Mega Barnwell. He's a four-star tight end slash offensive tackle. We'll see what he ends up playing. Uh, he officially locked down his commitment, which I'm not really sure what that means, but he has closed his recruitment completely. So that's a good thing for Penn State. Not a bad thing, that's for sure. And then, like I said, Penn State had their junior day, uh, one junior day this past week and another one coming up next weekend. A lot of offensive linemen targeted Three other guys I want to talk about. Three-star defensive back slash wide receiver from New Jersey. Uh, Musa Kane, 23 class. His brother is also a safety at Purdue, so keep an eye on him. Four-star defensive lineman from Florida, John Walker, part of that 2023 class. Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, UCF. He just visited Michigan on Sunday. Here's to see what happens with John Walker. Um, that'd be a huge get if they can somehow get John Walker from, from Florida. Four-star linebacker from Pennsylvania, uh, Samaj Bridgman. And again, 2023 class, he was there at junior day as well. Another guy you should keep an eye on. Kind of have to get that guy from Bridgman from Pennsylvania. Last thing I want to talk to you about today. Not going to be as long of an episode, obviously, as it was last week. Again, make sure you go check out that Tommy Stevens interview. The last thing on the news, Penn State has a new Big Ten schedule. Probably saw a little bit of that um, this past week. Probably got pretty pissed off at the Big Ten if you already had plans. Um, things were moved around. If you had, the, I think it was the Michigan State game is now the Ohio State game. So if you had hotel reservations for the Michigan State game, guess what? Now you have hotel reservations for the Ohio State game. So congratulations. But now I think the Ohio State game is a Northwestern game. So if you had hotel reservations for the Ohio State game, well, now you have them for the Northwestern game. So that's kind of a bummer. Um Big Ten doing this because they felt this is from them. I'm not saying this is truthful, but they're saying that they because of the 2020 season and COVID, they're trying to mix around the interconference game. So we lose Illinois because we played Illinois last year. So instead, we're going to get Northwestern, which, I mean, okay. Maybe that's a good thing because we didn't beat Illinois last year. I don't really know. Should still be favored to beat Northwestern. Um, this upcoming year, but who knows with the fighting Fitzgeralds, you never know with them. 
rumblings and grumblings still that Penn State might open the season at Purdue on a Thursday night. Right now, the schedule still says Saturday, so I don't know when they would make that announcement, but I feel like they wouldn't want to wait forever for something like that, especially since it's the first week of the season. I'm curious to kind of see what happens there. So I I had heard that some staffer for Penn State leaked that information, but I don't know if that's true or not yet. So keep the, keep that in mind if you're, you're planning uh, to head out to West Lafayette. Keep that in mind. You might need to be leaving a little bit earlier. Um the bye week was moved up, moves up to October 8th. So that kind of messes things up. I know people had weddings planned for the original bye week. Now that's the Minnesota game. Um, so that's kind of a bummer for people that are getting married. Shout out to Higgins. Um, Michigan State moved all the way back to rivalry week. So I think that's that's the right place to be for Michigan State. I think Michigan State's a rivalry for us. I don't want to lose the Mel Tucker and them again, and especially the way we lost them last year. So um, Michigan State moved to rivalry week. Ohio State moved back. This is probably the best thing for Penn State. Ohio State no longer right. I think I want to say it was literally you had Michigan and Ohio State back-to-back. No longer. You have Minnesota in between now, so that, that definitely helps out a little bit. I, and all in all, I think this helps Penn State's overall schedule. Um, I think this is a good good thing for Penn State. Maybe not good for all their fans that have already chosen things, but I think overall it's a good thing for Penn State. Um, and this this new schedule will be good, but it's not an easy schedule. Um, it's not an easy schedule. Remember, we still have to go at Auburn, um, which by the way, that's again where I live. So hopefully see you all down here for that game. Um, and that's that's all I have for today. If you made it this far in the podcast, guys. Five-star rating on Apple, five-star rating on Spotify, whatever you do, share it with a friend, just any sort of love. If you enjoy listening, um, it goes a long way. So I appreciate you guys. Um, Maybe drop a YouTube video here this week. We'll see what happens. Um, But otherwise, you guys stay awesome. You guys stay safe. Have a fantastic Martin Luther King Day. And hopefully a nice little short week for you as we kind of get into closer to signing Hopefully we'll have more guests on throughout the offseason. I hope you enjoyed that Tommy Stevens interview. And I will talk to you all next time. Uh, For Hardcore Penn State Football, I'm Corey Stokey. And I'll see you later.